0: Buckaroo Holiday Buckaroo Holiday
1: Welcome to Buckaroo Holiday, where we are reimagining the entertainment possibilities of Officer Gunther Tootie, shifting this comic resource to a less problematic context—the post-Hippie bleatings of Stevie Nicks—and that's just for starters. Come along with me on a musical journey that'll help you unwind, make you smile, and maybe, just maybe, make you think. (laughs) Just kidding. There's a holdup in the Bronx. Brooklyn's broken out
2: in fights. There's a traffic jam in Harlem that's backed up to Jackson Heights. There's a scout troop short a child. Crusades to where I
3: know Wild Car 54. Where? are
1: say Elvis Costello with Miracle Man. That was a live version of the song. It was the B-side of the Allison single in the U.S. And I think it's far superior to the version of it that was on his first album. Just has a lot more oomph, I think. Before that, we had uh, Kenny Graham and his Satellites. Kenny Graham was a British jazz musician who in the early 50s did this album, which was a tribute to the New York eccentric personality, composer, poet Moondog One side of this album was Moondog compositions the other side were pieces inspired by Moondog and his aura (laughs) I knew him Uh, My brother Bobby used to bring me to what was it, 57th Street or 52nd Street, somewhere up there where Moondog stood on the corner. He was this old, I thought ancient, but I guess he was pretty young at the time. Blind guy with a long white beard and dressed like a Viking, stood on the corner. And uh, it was frightening. I mean, he scared the hell out of me, but I was excited by him and looked forward to seeing him. I spoke to him a few times, and he was uh, very friendly. He gave me some poetry. I think it was mimeographed sheets that he gave me. and Unfortunately, they're long gone. I lost them a long time ago. But I had no idea that uh, Moondog was this celebrated New York personality and this composer. Even at that time, when I met him, he was, uh, I think, doing pieces for Columbia. These orchestral pieces. But he'd been known for a long time. I really was just interested in Vikings and I used to talk to him about uh, Viking mythology and history. This is a real nice guy and he was part of a New York that uh, I consider myself very lucky to have known because it is long gone and they're even killing its ghosts right now. And here I am thinking about it, um, this is a guy who knew Charlie Parker. You know, he stood on that same street back when all those guys were playing. Pretty, pretty amazing to think about it. Shows how old I really am. But anyway, Kenny Graham and his satellites from the Suncat Suite. Piece was called Sunday. And Kenny Graham, an interesting musician, had a band called the Afro Cubists also, which was a real adventurous combo. I'll play some more of that stuff in the future. Just as I had promised a long time ago To play something from Manfred Mann's Chapter 3 This was the band that he had Between the early pop records Well he had a few early He had so many phases Like he had the first Do-what-diddy-diddy section of his career And then this psychedelic pop period Then this Chapter 3 Which was a fusion jazz kind of a trip they were on After which he went to the Manfred Mann's Earth Band Who had all those hits in the 70s and that was a morose little number called Where Am I Going, written by Mike Hugg, who had been with Manfred Mann since the beginning of the band. And uh, yeah, I didn't want to start on such a downbeat note, but uh, this is a communicative show as well as an entertainment show. And I'm not going to say I don't feel that way a lot of the time, especially these days. But never fear, that's not where this show is headed today. And to shift the emphasis slightly at this point, I would like to thank those of you who actually joined up with the Patreon thing that I mentioned last time. I was very uptight about adding that because I've lost a lot of listeners because of uh, politics stuff. And I'm not saying that to raise any hackles. God knows I don't see where people can't disagree on politics and not still support each other and like each other and listen to each other and communicate with each other. I just don't understand it. If I make comments, I think I'm pretty low-key about it, and I try to do it in a spirit of humor. And I generally comment on the way people comment. If anybody has followed the stuff I've posted on Facebook and said here, I know that has more to do with... uh, how people respond around these issues than the issues themselves. And I i don't get why people are so out of their fucking minds these days, but they are, and that's that. I look to gauge the show sometimes by reactions, and Facebook was useful because there were people who would listen every week and comment explicitly about the show. They'd go through all the things they liked, maybe mention a few things they didn't like, make requests, add information that I might have neglected, etc., And it was really great. It felt like uh, a dialogue. So when people abruptly vanish from that dialogue, you have to conclude there's a reason for it. And, um, you know, these days, uh, lifelong friendships are being split apart. Uh, Family relationships are being split apart because of all this shit. And it's a crisis like nothing I've ever seen before. It's too huge to comment on right now. But it's happened here, you know, and uh, a lot of people... Are gone and they're not going to come back because, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, relationships that are that flimsy um, are not worth trying to restore. So they're as gone as New York. But be that as it may, I'm less concerned with the consequences of people's sense of self-importance and uh, outrage than I am about the impression it gives people when I'm trying to plug this Patreon thing I started. First thing's like a money-grubbing thing. You know, people think, oh, here we go. You know, he's got his cup out. And, you know, fine, you feel that way. That's, you're entitled. Uh, I don't know. Ain't what it is, but so be it. But there's a more important thing that crosses my mind is that people might feel awkward if they haven't Joined up with the Patreon thing And they might not comment anymore Or or hit the little like button <laughs> But that's ridiculous Because, you know, this show is a free show And I, I do it at my own expense And the Patreon thing is really just a way to Give a method for people who feel like They want to support the things I do It's a donation it doesn't have anything to do with the show The show was and will remain A free Gift. It's a hobby of mine, and it's something that I share with friends. That's all it is. If any friends want to get in on the Patreon thing, I'm very grateful, and some of you have. And um, for those people, I am kind of excited to be preparing special programs as a thanks, a little lanyap, a little bonus. And that'll start as soon as I can figure out how you direct those specific limited podcast to people i'm sure it's pretty simple and there are also going to be premiums and things like that and giveaways because i have friends who are loyal friends of the show who are contributing those ideas and products even but the main thing will be these special shows and these will be shorter shows that are probably focused on one topic or one thing. Uh, you'll see. It's uh, it's going to be cool. But it's not going to affect this. I'm still going to keep to the same schedule as this. And if, and if you like the show somewhat, but not enough to want to throw your $2, $3 in every month, then fine. Enjoy freely. you know. And if you want to comment on it, you're still free to comment anytime you want. And if you don't like the what you think my politics are, good luck processing that. <laughs> it's... Uh... Not my problem. time New York Dolls, Sylvain Sylvain. Tu es formidable. I like that record. Co-written with his former Dolls bandmate, David Johansson. Had Sergio Mendes in Brazil 66 with Ye Mele. Remember, they were always on TV when I was a kid, and the Brazil 66 thing always kind of grated on me. Because, you know, 67, 68, 69, They, uh, I think they changed their name at the turn of the 70s uh, to the Brazil 77, which... Bought them a few years. I don't know if they still existed by 77. Sergio Mendes certainly was still making records, but I guess it retained the symmetry of the 66 and 77. Maybe that was an 88 for all I know. In any case, they were great, and uh, they did a nice version of that. And we started with the memory band, Children of the Stones, and that was, I don't know, about five years ago or so. I like it. Why don't we keep saying that I like it? I'm playing them, right? I'm not going to play stuff if I think it sucks. Well... Come to think of it, never mind. I like it.
2: I like it! I like it! What can I do? I like it.
1: And before I go any further, uh, as I do this, it's what? August 6th, 2020. It's John Nielsen's birthday. He asked me to lift a buckaroo to him. And I'm doing that now, literally and figuratively. Happy birthday, John Nielsen. I don't know if you know or like the next song, but it seems like the kind of thing that might be up your alley, so I'm going to send it out to you for your birthday. Cheers, pal. church you wouldn't you couldn't come to think of it now you wouldn't you couldn't fill up church because you'd get arrested but anyway phil cut that in 69 another one of those great records from a uh, cadet concept label earlier on in the 60s he had a hit with you can't sit down prior to that we had the pink floyd with sid barrett doing in the beach woods One of those unreleased legendary tracks that uh, was put together on an exhaustive box that I can thank Colin Gibbons for getting to me. Colin's my connection for Rare Sid. Many other things besides. Hey, Colin, hope you're well over in the UK. Sure would love to lift a dram with Colin and Jeff over there. It's been a long time, long time. Speaking of 1967 and... uh, Psychedelia. We heard at first the Baroque's Mary Jane. It's a real cult favorite. And again, it goes out to John. Happy birthday, man. Ooh, listen. So, what you're hearing there might be a hint as to what's about to happen. We have a guest. Who's visited the studio here from all the way upstairs? Once again it's my son Miles. What do you you look like you're collapsing in hysterics over here? I didn't know
4: you were recording. Yeah. I was like clearing my mouth out. <laughs> I had just drank some soda and I was like trying to clear my mouth out and get ready to talk. Yeah. And suddenly you start going like radio guy voice <laughs> and that's a hint of what's to come.
1: <laughs> See that? You gotta be ready, man. This is the real this is a real deal, man. This shit is serious. <laughs> that's one way to put it. Well as you can tell from the banter here, that's how Miles and I are sitting here around this one microphone. I'm not trying to rig up the stereo mics like I did last time, because my gear isn't up to it. I I have a limited interface, and last time we were working with mismatched mics, and it was a real pain in the ass to do the... uh, Yeah, one
4: of them was like this audio technical one you're hearing, you're you're blessed with uh, our presence through right now, Mm. and the other one was like...
1: Whatever the hell the other one was. Well, it was a sure mic. It was a good mic, but they just were, you know, completely mics. Mismatch, mismatch, Mismatched, and so were the inputs. So, you know, I'm working, I'm working with what I got here. It's, it's all I can do. So
4: this time and we're sometimes, just sometimes what you work with breaks a lot. <laughs> Indeed. Um, Like with your computer that made you have to take two months off. I'm going to get into this.
1: You know, you're going to get your due. (laughs) What he's referring to is, um, you regular listeners might uh, note that... uh, Terrible, I guess mythic period now It's, it's whispered about and, 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 and uh, mourned in song By fans of the Buckaroo Holiday When the show abruptly vanished Because my computer seized on me Trying to get a new one in, current, in the current world we inhabit Proved to be pretty difficult in, in the price range I was looking at So this kid here Took it upon himself to build me a computer which is what we're working with right now. And I've got to say, it's um, probably the best computer I've used. Okay, so. that,
4: that's, my, that's my little plug done. Yeah. I, I don't run a business, but I just wanted to plug that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you deserve,
1: you deserve to be plugged for that. I'll, I'll plug you. Where's my, where's my gat? Um, <laughs> and I guess uh, you know one of the reasons you were so nice to me is because I was nice enough to you to give you my bedroom. Yes. Mm-hmm. We spent the earlier part of this... Um, lockdown. Lockdown. Um, switching bedrooms. Because uh, and I. larger. Yeah, we have a big bedroom. He needed the bigger room. He's doing all his VR stuff and everything. And
4: playing drums and having friends and over. Having friends
1: over, yeah. So this laborious switching of rooms. It
4: took like a whole week
1: to just do the switch. oh. Yeah. But, uh, so these are these big events, you know, the switching of the rooms, the um the building of the computer. Mm. What else have we been doing in this this summer of? Uh, I've been not uh, much
4: fun riding bikes.'
1: <laughs> been taking up a lot of bike riding,
4: yeah, yeah. Um, started to do a lot of d and d with your pals once once the current laws allowed, of course. We immediately started doing that again Right And we went to Knoebels We did, and that was fun We talked
1: about that on the show uh, And the last one or the one before And here we are Something we've talked about for a while Some of you might recall that we did a show Where we listened to some songs that Miles was uh, into By uh, Tally Hall and their offshoots Mm. And another genre of music that we've discussed Talking about
4: on the air video game music. So uh it started off we were uh talking about maybe doing a little segment on music from Undertale cuz I listen to that game's music a lot. Uh it's one of the things that actually really got me into music, that game soundtrack. Uh it's the first album I It's funny because I
1: would have thought you you living with your father who's, you know, such a um
4: Well, it was the first album I ever actually bought. I had listened to music before in car rides and, like, on YouTube and stuff. But I had never, like, individually seeked out anything. Uh, So (laughs) what? (laughs) So... Until... (laughs) (laughs) Until... Until, uh... Until I, uh asked my mom for $10 to buy the Undertale uh, soundtrack
1: I remember hearing the Undertale soundtrack seeping down through the ceiling from your room and it always sounded good that way (laughs) I was like you must be playing Undertale because I like the music I'm hearing
4: yeah that game soundtrack is really good to the point where even though that game came out in 2016 and is only really talked about in its own communities and uh, in memes Anymore about how it how it so po- was so popular. Yeah, um, its soundtrack is still everywhere. Used in YouTube videos, um, w- people we use it during D and D sessions. We sort of soundtrack. Them with whatever music we like. Right. And uh, a lot of the time we play Undertale stuff.
1: Yeah, we're going to play some Undertale music and we're also going to be playing some Team Fortress 2 music, right? Um, yeah. All right. So, so the thing with this to me is like, you know, on this show, I'm always playing a lot of uh, what we call library music. I think everybody mm-hmm. knows what that is.
4: Yeah, and it's music that that's, plays in places with a lot of books.
1: No, <laughs> ugh! I, I I try and I try and it doesn't sink in. I try to tell you, um, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we all know what library music is. We use a lot of it on the show, and of course, soundtrack music, movie scoring, yeah. television scoring have a lot in common with game music, but there are differences.
4: Yeah, like um, a lot of video game music is um designed to loop because if mm-hmm. you're playing a game, the uh has like where the game like kind of transitions from gameplay to being like a character talking to you or having a musical cue you might stay on the screen where they say like oh blah 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 shoot the guy mm-hmm. for like An hour or something. Right. Um, You might be playing at your own pace. You might be progressing through levels slowly. So the music, a lot of the time, is designed to loop onto itself seamlessly. So you can listen to it technically for hours on end without hearing a cut. Even though no one would do that because you would (laughs) lose your mind. (laughs) Right, but you
1: listen to it outside. Like, you actually have these LP records of these scores.
4: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I actually have an LP record of both things we're going to play today.
1: So I'm wondering if you... um if you listen to this music Outside of in the gameplay mm-hmm. You're just listening to it Casually Does your mind go to the gameplay Or is it like Just another experience Like you know Like when I listen to the soundtrack From uh, To Kill a Mockingbird mm. I'm enjoying the music As music I'm not thinking about Gregory Peck <laughs> You know So when you're playing When you're playing this music Since it is designed For a function To like loop And to be modular Like that mm-hmm. Can you listen to it Just as music
4: um, I definitely can It depends on a lot, actually, on who is making the game, um, but I'll, I'll simplify that and talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the, if I first like finish a very emotionally charged video game, like with Undertale, that game has like a very, even though it's like jokingly told and all that stuff, and it's a video game. Um, it's, uh, it has a very serious and impactful plot, uh, really expertly crafted um, by the game's creator, Toby Fox, who also composed all the music. So the music kind of coincides with the gameplay and the story in a way, where the first like few times I actually listened to the game's whole soundtrack, I like remembered the moments in the game now I just listen to it as oh yeah that's the music that happens to be from that game Mm. but if I play very emotionally charged again the first time I listen to the music I'm definitely thinking um oh yeah this is when that played
1: You're kind of reliving it,
4: yeah. Also, video game music can serve many different purposes. There's like exciting stuff, like you know, action pieces and like high octane, like violins going off in the background, Mm -hmm. but there's also just ambience, like musical ambience, um, kind of like elevator music, right? Um, you're not really meant to pay attention to it, yeah. Um, that doesn't really have any impact. A good example for that would be Minecraft. Minecraft's music comes and goes randomly, so you hear it whenever you might be um, fighting monsters or, like, digging a really big hole because you were bored. Um, (laughs) So... It it can mean Completely different things So mm-hmm. that music You can just listen to And it doesn't really Have any impact But if it's Meant to be impactful You often remember The set moments
1: you know, A lot of times I find when you zoom in On music that's Meant to be neutral And not Foregrounded mm-hmm. It reveals things That you don't expect there, There's a lot of Uh Richness in music that's actually meant to be completely bland and not call attention to it. So oh yeah, Eno Brian Eno got into that whole idea, and um, earlier Eric Satie did uh, as well. The other thing now um, about games, we're gonna get to something right away because we've been talking a bit, um, <laughs> but that's okay. It's what we're here for right? Yeah, here. we're we're, here. We're, 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 this we're
4: talk show.
1: It's a talking segment of a of a of a show of a show of a music that, show. Okay, so it's a music show with it with some talking. And that's what we're doing We're talking yeah. about music Okay A couple of guys talking about music Yeah, okay A couple of cats
4: Maybe, maybe you could, like, write that down for me later Just so I could, like, have it as a refresher Absolutely, Absolutely. You, you got
1: it I'm, I'm on that I'm, I'm, I'm gonna... Type it out, actually, and print it for you. Mm. And uh, on good paper, like on parchment or something. <laughs> like. Antiqued paper.
4: So bad paper that bad. is now good paper because it's not, like... Faux <laughs> shitty
1: paper, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the other thing I wanted to mention was that the, another thing that I noticed with games is that... Uh, Some of them use What in films I guess they call Source music Which is like uh, A scene where You know Some guys in a car Listening to music On the radio Mm -hmm. And it's some song On the radio Or in a jukebox Or a band that's playing In a club And that's like A completely other category Because that's not Supposed to accompany The the gameplay In the same way As the other music does Because because you've discovered Old songs that way
4: Yeah uh, I think the best example For that type of thing Is um, the Fallout franchise And that franchise story stuff leads to a thing where it makes sense that like old swing music and music from like like really even like really old stuff like 30s to like 60s like type of music um, mm-hmm. is what you listen to and it, you can listen to that or like generic ambience as you're exploring the radioactive wastes of the game but I find it a lot more fun to be listening to uh I don't want to set the world on fire while literally walking through a nuclear holocaust (laughs) so but yeah, so you can discover a lot of fun stuff that through that way and a lot of games have things like that so all right we should listen to some
1: stuff uh what do you want to get started with
4: um how about rocket jump waltz
1: rocket jump waltz
4: which is from team fortress 2 one of the trailers because the game actually doesn't play the music in it it just plays it during the trailers cool let's go 2 it's a multiplayer game You're, it's a bunch of people in like a random arena uh, shooting and beating the crap out of each other for like 15 minutes mm-hmm. and then it just stops so like, you can't really fit fitting music into that because you never know how something's going to play out like you could have a bunch of like just like people trying to sneak around and be stupid or just like a complete bloodbath in the middle of a Everything hmm. kind of so, like a peaceful protest. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Just <laughs> yeah, I didn't
0: know how to segue off of that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, so they instead put like all the musical like stuff in that game into the trailers, which are fantastic and flesh out the characters in the game from being your sort of like avatar of. Violence and bloodshed to being like an actual like person that you think is like oh that's a great character
1: mm-hmm. yeah I like that piece that was uh, that we listened to that in the car uh, on our last road trip and yeah it stuck out for me
4: yeah so let's do something from Undertale I guess let's do Hopes and Dreams always like this one.
1: So that piece was actually Not that short That's that's a more uh, Record length Kind of
4: Yeah Three minutes Forty type of song Yeah But it's
1: cool I like the opening it Has a uh, Real Copeland feel And Copeland is a Big friend of ours On the Buckaroo Holiday mm. he Even gave us our name Wow And our theme Wow Yeah Wow Oh yeah Wow It's yeah. wow. Wow. <laughs> Uh, I'm just realizing that we uh, chatted for quite a while Before we even got to the music today Yeah And um, it's a big chunk of show we ate up there Sorry well, it's, not, it's probably me. It's not. It's me more than you. I'm,
4: well, I was also saying sorry to the microphone and oh. whoever's down this wire and somewhere else.
1: No, no, I know that, but you, they don't. They don't. They don't need your apology because you've been perfectly fine. I've been. I'm the one with the lagaria.
4: <laughs> I don't I'm, even know. I've never heard that. First.
1: It's diarrhea of the mouth. Ah. Maybe we'll play another piece now. Okay. And what I'm thinking of doing is maybe you know we're doing this thing with the uh, Patreon, where I'm doing some special programs for uh, people who participate in that as kind of bonus giveaway kind of specialty items mm. and uh, that might be a nice uh, entire show to do just maybe concentrate on the wide world of game music mm. um but for now you know what we're listening to now is kind of ooh kind of game music too
3: <laughs> <laughs> please cut that out of the show <laughs> <laughs>
4: Asshole.
1: <laughs> so, uh, what was the first? Game, what was the first gaming system you
4: owned? Well, the first I was given was a Wii, but I had some games before that. And what are we hearing um, behind us right now? Something from the Wii. I don't know which one you've chosen yet. <laughs> We
1: lay the music in later on these shows. I hate to give you a give get to give, 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 give the listeners' a little uh, peek behind the curtain here when we talk wow. about it. it's like the, the kind of eh. Without
4: them having to even pay extra
1: <laughs> I don't want to decrease from the magic the magic of the buffalo letting on, but we're just kind of talking here you know when when we're done with this, you know I'll chop out some of the ams and ums and and maybe the farts. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, and um, and then I'll lay the music in behind. You know this conversation, and it will be music from Wii, the Wii Game. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's finish off with this section with one more piece. And what would you recommend? Um, (laughs) The precious um. I've
4: never had to do more than two on a show. (laughs) (laughs) My
1: laziness is your star turn.
4: Both things we've done were primarily computer games. Yeah. So let's go with something more Nintendo-like. Oh. So. A little eight-bit action. Yeah, or sixteen, or sixty-four, or thirty-two. But you know, yeah, they've always been there. Um, So how about the Great Fairy Fountain from The Legend of Zelda? The Great Fairy Fountain from The Legend of Zelda. pretty. Yeah, uh, so that was a cover of the song done by a harp player named Amy Turk. Um, there's a million different versions of this song online, but I personally like the sound of it played on an actual harp as opposed to a digital one in the game.
1: And that's how it is in the game? It's uh, just this plain harp sound?
4: Um, yes. In some games, there's other instruments added, some percussion. Um, there's a million different Zelda games and a million different versions of it, so it, you could play versions of The Great Fairy Found and make two shows out of it, and mm-hmm. just that so. We were talking before, and
1: we won't do this now, but uh, <laughs> you were talking about a specific kind of motif that uh, goes through. Uh, was it Team Fortress Two Undertale? And Undertale that gets reused a number of times. It's sort of like that in West Side Ba-da-da-da. Story.
4: Yeah. yeah. How that's repeated all over again mm-hmm. The violin at the beginning of the Undertale song we played Is that motif There's a bunch of songs where it plays
1: uh, So I'd like to explore that a little bit Because that's kind of cool to me To, to listen to that The way different composers will uh, Take the same exact piece of raw material And completely mm-hmm. reconfigure it for different uses That's always an interesting mm-hmm. thing to study So uh, we'll, we'll pursue that next time Yes. Anything else you need to add before we end this segment of the Buckaroo Holiday Show?
4: Um. I had something I was going to say and I forgot it. Oh. Oh.
1: If it comes back to you, uh, we can we can bring you back in just to, for you to Oh, it
4: just came back to me.
1: Oh, okay.
4: So that song plays during uh, when you're in The Great Fairy Fountain, and that's why, even though it's an action game, The Legend of Zelda, it's a very peaceful and calming song, because The Great Fairy Fountain is always a place of rest in those games. It's a place where you can stop and it's free of monsters and enemies and you can just heal up and relax and listen to the nice music so it's not any triumphant, heroic tunes like everything else in the Zelda games. And
1: that's a very useful thing. We could all use that in this day and age. A place (laughs) of respite, refuge, and a chance to recharge our batteries. Mm. So I think I I recommend everybody listen to that little harp piece on a loop.
4: There's ten hour long versions of it on YouTube.
1: (laughs) Wow. That's some crazy stuff. But uh, (laughs) beautiful. So, So thank you for joining me here. Yep. It's been an honor as always, and we'll be talking some more to Miles very soon. Thanks, Keb.
4: Okay, see ya.
5: This In a thick fog, another thick fog I say, hey, this isn't like me It's a little like this Could be something new Under the sun Who's feeling young You try to listen Cause you feel like we are, we are And don't we know with the time it takes to think We're making up with who we're guessing They try to tell us and at times we try to listen Everybody's perfect, gray hair ain't a crown of wisdom When you're a young man, so you're an old man She said, hey, you look a lot like someone I like to Flew just far enough under the sun To
3: never come down Who's feeling
5: Tell us, and at times we try to listen But we can't hear a thing when all we think about Are all the things we think we might be missing Cause if we think we are, we are And if we don't, we aren't worth the time It takes to think of making love with who work, is kissing You try to tell us, and at times we try to listen You try to tell us, and at times we try to listen You try
3: to tell us, and at times we try to listen
1: Lengthy set of music there to make up for the even more lengthy, maybe, I'm not sure, but the very lengthy spiel that Miles and I did. We were enjoying ourselves a little too much and uh, ate up a chunk of show, but that's cool. I enjoyed it. I hope you did. And when we do these special mini-podcasts for the Patreon patrons, we are going to do a couple with Miles. I'd like to do one on Doctor Who music because we've been watching that together with uh, my wife and Miles and I every night. Lily's not interested and uh, cetera, Some other Some other topics of interest that we share. In this set we began with the Overture from Tremonitia by Scott Joplin. Reason for that being that that little harp piece that Miles played from The Legend of Zelda reminded me of the piece Solace by Scott Joplin that featured in the movie The Sting quite a bit. And rather than just playing that, I just thought I'd play the beautiful Overture from Tremonitia. And then we had a song I Always associate with my beloved wife, The Seekers' I'll Never Find Another You. Beautiful record, Judith Durham. I mean, talk about a singer, my God, she still sounds good. She sounds better than she did then. Really an amazing vocalist, one of the best working. We had Who's Feeling Young Now by the Punch Brothers. This is a relatively recent record, and uh, parts of it I like a lot, and parts of it I don't like at all. You can be the judge, all, none, I don't know. It should be a lot shorter, I think. It's a little, it has all these sections and, what can I say? And we heard the Revealing Science of God from Yes, a single edit of that song. And I know this gets tiresome, but um, I actually sang on stage with John Anderson. How ridiculous is that? But it's true. The day before we did the thing on stage together, we were hanging out at Sirius Studios having a conversation and... uh, I like the guy, you know, I, uh, I don't know, I've heard various accounts of people's experiences with John Anderson. My own was very pleasant. And now here's something fairly recent and fairly ridiculous from the GO team. Back like 8-Track.
6: Stretcher, it's two to one, you flop, you're sick, but quick get out of sight. But disorderly orderly's on duty tonight. He'll bounce your bed and split your splint. And though he's got you screaming, he never gets the hint, you might ask as well give up the fight. But disorderly orderly's on duty tonight. He'll try so hard to please you. But if you need an ice pack, watch out, he'll freeze you. The lovely nurse comes to the door. Our hero says, Excuse me. And crashes through the floor You must admit that he's polite The desire
1: Times by David Fathead Newman, 1958, I think, with uh, Ray Charles on piano. That's right. Before that, you heard the Wham of Sam, Sammy Davis Jr., with the theme from Jerry Lewis's movie The Disorderly Orderly, which is actually a great picture. It's one of my favorite Jerry pictures. A Touch of Velvet, a Sting of Brass, before that. That's the title of the piece, by the Mood Mosaic. It's actually a piece of library music that uh, got released as a single. I forget the composer offhand. I'll look it up if you ask me to. You'll have to uh, send me a telegram. I'll figure it out. And for the year of our Lord, 2011, The Go Team, back like a track. You know, I kind of like The Go Team. They're, They're really kind of stupid but they're catchier than hell it, it, their music seems to be this kind of like made of cut-ups and like cheerleader chants and things like this it's all rah 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 hey high energy youthful stuff i think they're from brighton england it's clearly uh, from another generation from another time another world but i like it it's cool
0: stolen by bandits I must follow the sound The triangle tingles and the trumpets play slow But farewell, Angelina The sky is on fire and I must go There's no need for anger There's no need for Nothing to prove. Everything still the same. Just the table standing empty by the edge of the sea means farewell, Angelina. The sky is trembling and I must
3: leave.
0: The Jack and the Queen have forsaken the courtyard. 52 gypsies now file past the guards in the space where the deuce and the ace once ran wild. Farewell, Angelina, the sky is falling, I'll see you in a while. See the cross eyed pirates sit perched in the sun. Shooting tin cans with a sort of shotgun And the neighbors they clap and they cheer with each blast but farewell Angelina the sky's changing color and I must leave fast Reptangles while the makeup man's hands shut the eyes of the dead not to embarrass anyone, but farewell, Angelina. The sky's embarrassed, and I must be gone. The machine guns are roaring, and the puppets heave wrong. And fiends nail time bombs to the hands of the clocks Call me any name you like, I will never deny it But farewell, Angelina, the sky is erupting I must go where it's quiet
1: The band X. That was "Poor Girl" from the album "More Fun in the New World," which I think was the last great X album. But uh, there were a lot of great songs after that, and all the albums before that were just incredible. I have a few stories related to X, but um, I've been doing enough of this name-dropping recently. I don't know why. It's 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 kind of surprising me when I play these songs, and it occurs to me that. had an encounter with this one or that one, but I'm not going to bore you with it this time. But the poor girl. I sang it countless times when we were in the scales. That was a real standby of ours. Before that, it was a Bob Dylan song, Farewell Angelina, sung by Joan Baez, an album my brother used to play a lot. And that song always stuck with me. Beautiful, beautiful song. And we started the set with Bethlehem Down, a song by the English composer Peter Warlock arranged for string orchestra. It's really a Christmas carol, sort of. His real name is Philip Heseltine. He called himself Peter Warlock because he uh, had a kind of double life. He was into Satanism and all this kind of stuff. He was also a scholar of ancient English music. And his academic career concerned that. His compositional career, which wasn't terribly prolific, was where he used the Peter Warlock name. And his stuff... Has that beautiful combination of 20th century harmony voicings and old English melodicism and renaissance, I don't know, funk, (laughs) mothballs, I don't know. But he was a decadent, sort of like our friend Percy Granger. I don't know what it is about these guys. Probably knew each other. (laughs) You wouldn't put it past them. His most well-known work and my favorite of his outside of his songs is a piece called... Capriol Suite. I recommend checking that one out. Beautiful, beautiful work. He ended up sticking his head in an oven. That was the end of Peter Warlock.
7: The shadows forever to be. Where's the light I'm longing to see? Love. Once we met by the Now you've gone and left nothing to me Nothing but a sweet memory your branches green along the stream that runs to sea listen to my plea listen willow and My tears into the stream Sad as I can be Listen, willow, and weep for me Whisper to the wind And say that love has seen. down along the ground and cover me when the shadows fall in sympathy bend your branches green along the stream and cover me when the shadows fall
1: So that was Willow, Willow, Willow from a musical called Keen from, I think, 60 or 61. Unsuccessful musical about a Shakespearean actor of the 19th century. The music was written by the team Robert Wright and George Forrest. who also did Kismet, which we heard a track from last time, which was the adaptation of the music of Barden. The The book of Keen, which was written by Peter Stone, actually had contributions by Jean-Paul Sartre, Go Figure. Beautifully sung there by one Lee Venora, a versatile singer, did opera, did Broadway, obviously. Quite capably, you'll agree. And you heard Alice Babs, who's a Swedish singer. Also versatile. She did all kinds of stuff, opera and folk music. and was very well known over there. She did a lot of work with Duke Ellington. That recording of Willow, Weep For Me, was done with Bengt. Halberg, banged. I don't know how I pronounce that. I'm, I, boy. The thing, the thing. There's a lot of great versions of that song. It's a great song. I think it was written by Anne Ronnell. And the reason I like that one is the uh, chord choices and some some of the things she does vocally that are not your default American jazz approaches. The original recordings of that song have this great double time section it goes into I should play it on a future show because it's it's a great effect but it's this plotting thing that goes into a swing double time in the second part of the verses and um, quite an effect well this throws that away and goes another direction with it almost academic and maybe a little straight laced but I think it's gorgeous and you know uh, the old clock on the wall tells me uh, it's time time to wrap this up so off we go Um, should be back in about another two weeks with another regular show in the meantime I'm hoping to get some of these um, specialties underway specialties O'Rooney for my Patreon supporters once again I'll plug this forever so if you don't like it piss off you know (laughs) if you want to do the Patreon thing check it out and uh, you know pledge a couple of bucks a month $3 for Christ's sake you know look at all the entertainment I'm giving you but uh, all that aside, thanks for listening to this, and we'll have another one of these free, unfettered shows, as I said, in about two weeks. Thanks to Miles for joining me today, and I'm going to end this one with somebody you've heard here before, because I'm thinking about my core. I miss the core. I, uh, it's been too long since we had one of our rollicking evenings in the schoolyard, gents. So I send this out to the boys. Tfab offers Amiga. Willie, Joe, and General Sutcock. I'll send it out to the rest of y'all too. I hope you're well. Till we meet again. This is the great Thin Lizzie. Good night from Buckaroo Holiday.
8: I'm not that weird and